our sermons. Waiting has, has been something that we have we looked at. Uh, waiting on God. We've looked at individuals from the Bible that each went through significant seasons of waiting for God to do something in their lives. And ultimately what we understand from these stories and, and from, from other stories in the Bible is that it was the coming of Christ, the reason we celebrate Christmas, that it's what brought Simeon and Elizabeth and Mary's waiting to an end. Today, though, we're not speaking about another member in the Christmas story, another person that's, in, that's at the Nativity. You know, we're not going to be looking at that per se, but we're going to be talking and looking at the part that we each play in in the waiting. So we talked about Simeon, we talked about Elizabeth, we talked about Mary. Today we're going to talk about you, right? We're going to talk about you. We're going to read in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, not a traditional Christmas scripture, but what I've found is that any part of scripture is focuses on Christ and thus is a, a Christmas scripture. Amen. So Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10 is what we'll be reading here. If you want to get that in your scripture, you're welcome to. We'll also have it up here on the screen for you to follow along if you so desire. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared for beforehand that we should walk in them. And that's Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. So I want to start and talk about your gift. What what are you bringing Jesus for Christmas this year, right? So that idea is brought up a lot in church circles this time of year, almost to the point where it probably has become a cliche. What is your gift? You know, what are you wise men brought gifts? What what are you bringing? We talk about that. You'll see it on different boards of churches that have the things so they can put the letters in on their sign. They'll have different sayings or questions like that around this time of year. What is the gift that you're bringing Jesus? What 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 have you brought Jesus? What are you giving? Right? We say that a lot. And like I said, to the point where it almost has become a cliche, one of those cliche Christian statements. At Christmas time, you know, what are you bringing Jesus? But the reality is, is that we all honestly should contemplate what it is that we are offering Jesus in our lives. What we are offering Him, not just at Christmas time, but throughout all the year. But what are we offering Jesus today, right now, in this portion of our life? You know, we might all give the answer. We probably have that answer. Well, I give him my life, right? I, I, he, my life is his. I give it to him. I offer, I offer him that. And that's, that's a good answer. That's, that's nothing wrong with that answer. That, that, that's the Christianly answer. But I, I want to, to challenge it just, just real quick. We'll give this example. Because I feel like sometimes we give too broad of an answer to sometimes these questions, these ideas. We give these Christianly answers. Well, I give him my life, right? We give these very broad answers. And we really don't think about the, the complexities of the question. We don't think about what it is that we're really saying, right? So New Year's is coming around. We understand that's about two weeks away. Maybe you're already thinking about your New Year's resolutions. Maybe you're already thinking about the new things you want to do, new habits you want to create, whatnot. So so look, I want to give you some advice to go along with them, right? Um, they say if you create a, a goal, a resolution that is too broad, you're more likely to quit it. You're more likely to quit. Um, so an, an example, if you just say, I want to lose weight, is coming here. It's a very broad statement, right? How do you do that? How's that come back? Do you just change? Do you have a diet? Do you go to the gym more? Do you go to a doctor and get off a weight loss program or something like that? There's a lot of ways to, to do that. It's a very broad subject. And it's to the point where like you don't know 
where to start. That's a big mountain to climb. That's a big thing to do. That's a big thing to, to accomplish is to, to lose this weight when you've got all these options very broad. And, and it gets to the point where you might try a few different things. You try a lot of different things. And it's not very focused. It's very broad. And it becomes to a point where it's just confusing and complex. And you just don't know where to go with it. We see that we see that a lot with New Year's resolutions. When you start anything, you start with this big, broad idea, and you don't have focus on it, and you just kind of waver because you don't know what direction you're supposed to go. So they, they say people who, who you know kind of follow these things and who, who study these things they say it's better to create a, a more focused resolution, more focused goal, a more focused idea to follow after. Instead of saying I want to lose weight, say I want to eat healthier. I want to eat more vegetables. I want to, to drink less soda. I want to do something like that. It's more focused. Uh, I want to go to the gym X amount of times a, a, a week or something like that. I want to do, do this. I want to spend so many hours walking. It's more focused. And that way you know, well, this is a little step. It's a little thing, but it's something that you can accomplish. It's a goal that you know, well, this is what i got to do today to accomplish my goal. And the same thing goes with the question we asked, what are you offering Jesus? Because when we give the Christian the answer, I'll give him my life. And as Christians, we should. If we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, we, we are supposed to surrender our life to him. That is what we're supposed to do. And we should continually be attempting and trying to, to give him control over all areas of our life. But guess what? You wake up in the morning and you set out to do that and you have all these different areas of your life and all these things going on and all these problems and all these issues and everything that's going on and you're like, man, how, how am I supposed to turn them all over to Jesus? How am I supposed to give Jesus control of all my life? And I've been doing all this myself for so long. What do I have to offer Jesus? And we say our whole lives and we wake up and that looks daunting. We don't know what that looks like because we've not lived it. You know, more than likely we didn't have families that that lived it. We don't live in a society where we have role models that, that are on the news and that we read about and that we get to meet in our local life that, that live that. So it's hard to know what that looks like and it's daunting to know where to where to start. Where to even start. So what I would challenge us with today is to start with, with one. For Christmas, I want to give God control over my dot, dot, dot. And go from there. For Christmas, I want to surrender control of this area in my life. For in this season of my life, I know I need to do better in dot, 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 and whatever it may be. This is not me saying to exclude the other areas. To say that I only have to be a good Christian in one area of my life. I'm not saying that. But I am saying understand our, our, our limitations, right? It's hard for us to take on a bunch at once. But we can do one thing, right? We can surrender one thing. We can give up control of... Of one thing. We spend a couple weeks, a couple months, maybe it takes you a, a year to master that. But then maybe next time this time next year you're you're going to you'll be able to give Jesus something else. And you say, Well, well, Jesus, last year I gave you this area of my life. Well, this year, you know, you've helped me do that. You've helped me surrender, you helped me give you control. Well, this year I'm going to give you something else. Or this year I'll, I'm going to give you two things. Or this year I'm going to do more in this area. And you do the little bit, and it's less daunting, and you're less likely likely to quit, right? It's it's better I believe, for us to succeed in doing one new thing, one new thing for Christ, accomplishing that, than to talk a big game and say, well, I'm going to give my whole life to Jesus. By the end of this year, I'm going to surrender everything to Jesus, everything He asked me to do, I'm going to do, and then come February or whatever, you're like, well, I don't really know what that looks like. I don't know how to do that. And you just fail and you quit. It would be better for us to do better in one area 
than to not make any progress in any area, right? We talk about Christmas and it's the thought that counts. And when it comes to our relationship with God, it's not just the thought that counts. I ask any one of you, do you want to have a better relationship with Christ? And I, I believe your thought and your answer would be, yeah, I do. If I ask you, do you want to give God more, more control over your life? Do you want to serve Him more, be a, be a better Christian? You'd say, yes, I do. But it's not the thought that counts when it comes to our relationship with Christ. It's the, the actions that follow. And I would rather be actively growing and progressing in one area of my life until God has got me to a place where I can branch out then to try to take on everything at once and just fail and come short. And then guess what happens then? Then the enemy says, you're no good. You're worthless. You can't do this. It's too big for you. And God's like, you're going back the wrong way, son. Right? So what are you offering God this year? Well, let's look at this. Let's look at what He wants. Sometimes we may struggle to understand, to know what God wants from us if we don't know where to look. Right? If your spouse goes out of their way, just drops in the middle of a conversation. Says, you know what I would like? I would like this. And you know some occasions coming up. And you completely blank over that and be like, well, they're just talking. That ain't really what they want. I know what they really want. They said they wanted this, but I saw this new mop at the store that dries itself, that's antibacterial, and that it's all it's, it's really nice. And it even has hand warmers on it because I know her hands get so cold. See, it says she wanted that, but I know she'll be tickled to death when she opens this up at Christmas, right? You did that. Is that very wise? No. No. It is not. For, right. For those that are young in their relationship, there's advice. If you're still single and you're not married yet, there's your advice. If they go out of their way to say something that they want, guess what? It might be good to get them that, right? It might not be that biggest surprise that they've ever had, but they got what they wanted, and they'd be happy with it, right? The good mommies and good daddies, they still act surprised, still act happy with whatever it is, but they say what they want. Get them what they they want. So what is it that Jesus and that God has said that they want? I'm not going to go into all the scriptures, because basically what the Bible is, is is instruction for us. To live a life that God desires for us to live. From Genesis all the way through Revelation. There, there's tidbits and there's lessons for us to, to learn from. But the scripture that we read a minute ago, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 through 10, is really good. It says basically, basically it tells us, you know, that, that we are created, that we are his workmanship, created for good works, good deeds. Not that we're saved by the works, but that we're created for the works, right? But Matthew 28, 19 through 20 goes into even greater detail. It says, And Jesus came and spoke to them. Saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I command you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. We call this in Scripture, in theology, in doctrine, the Great Commission. The commission, what he is asked of us to do. When you commission something, a piece of art, or you commission, an, when you make an order of restaurant, you're making a commission. It's saying, this is what I want from you. This is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, this is what I want from you. I want you to make disciples. Go out everywhere. Make disciples and teach them. Right? Make disciples and teach them. Very clear on what Jesus and God say they want from us. 
Now, Scripture goes into great detail in, in a variety of different areas, though, as well. It talks about how we should treat our spouse, how we should treat strangers, how we should treat our family, right? It talks about how we should interact with the church. It talks about serving. It talks about how we should handle giving and, and our financial well-being and things like that. It talks about how we should handle our health as well. It doesn't. It's not mute on that. It talks in multiple places about about health things and, 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 and taking care of the body and being the temple of God. It gives us great instruction on a multitude of areas in our life. I've not yet found an area in my life that there is not a scripture that in some way broaches the topic to give me some instruction or at least on give me some insight on what God thinks Amen. about this issue. Like I said, I can't go into all the scriptures. We'd be here all, all day We're just reading through the scriptures and telling you what area of this life this should apply to. I'm not gonna gonna do that because guess what? You all have a thing called Google, right? And you can Google. What does the Bible say about this? But this is one where he gives us a direct commission, a direct insight, a very clear demand and command on what he desires his disciples to do is who he was talking to. But this is a command that that goes on and on. It wasn't just for them and then the next generation didn't have to worry about. No, this is something that he has meant for all of us. As long as the world keeps spinning, as long as he has not stepped, as he has not stepped out to call his children home, this still stands as the commission, as what he he wants. So, like we said, it's 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 not good just to go in and try to do everything at once. So, find the areas in your life that you know that you come short on. We all have them. I can look, and I, and, and I don't know each and every one of your situations. I don't know each and every one of your lives. So I don't know your strengths and weaknesses, right? I try to know mine. I try to, to understand my strengths and weaknesses, my high points and my, and my failures as best as I can, right? So I know what the areas of my life that I need to, to do more in, right? That I need to offer God more, put more effort forward, put more, put more priority into doing certain things in my life. But if we're honest, and we take a second or a moment... To really be quiet and listen, to evaluate our lives. We've talked about evaluation a lot. To evaluate our lives, then we all will find areas. We all will recognize areas in our life that we come short. That we do not meet the mark of what God wants from us. And it's those areas that we can pick from. You might be doing great in the way you treat your spouse. That's not what God wants you to give him this year. But you might struggle with your financial the way you handle financials and things. You might you might be greedy. You might just be splurging and gluttonous and things like that. Those are the areas where you're weak, where you fail, where you struggle. Those are the areas that God wants you to offer Him that this year. The places you the places that you're weak at. The places that need a need a little work. There's no shame. And we, 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 we get this idea and this mentality sometimes there's, that, there's, that there's something wrong with us, you know, with there something being something wrong with us, right? No shame in that. Because that's something that, that came from thousands of years ago, from Adam and Eve in the garden. Ever since then, they were perfect in all manner and being in the eyes of God. And they sinned, they came short, and they broke humanity, right? They broke us, where that we are now broken people. We have shortcomings. We have failures. So there's nothing wrong with acknowledging that we do. Actually, I would say it's wrong to not acknowledge that we do. To ignore and to act like we're perfect because then we can improve. 
then we have nothing to offer God. God wants you to offer Him the weak spots, the bad areas, the struggles and the failures and your shortcomings and say, Lord, I'm going to do better here and I need your help to do that. Lord, I'm going to work on this place in my life this year, this come, these next few months, whatever it may be, however long it takes you to, to get stronger and to get better in that. But I need your help to do that. Right? So what is your gift? Well, we'll get what? He's asked for. Look at what he wants. Find the area in your life that's weak, that struggles, that's not up to par, that's not up to snuff, not where God desires for it to be, and work on it. And work on that area. But we talked about waiting, right? That's been our, our kind of our central theme over the past few weeks during, during December it is this waiting. So what, what is God waiting on you to do? We've talked a lot about waiting on God to do something. Simeon waited on God to send the Messiah so that he could meet him, and it was fulfilled. Elizabeth waited for years to conceive a child, and she did. It was fulfilled. Mary waited on Jesus to be born for those nine months or whatever, uh, and she she went through that. And Jesus Jesus came, and he was everything that was that was promised to her that he was the Messiah, that he was the one that, that was going to rule rule the world, not through might and force and everything, but. But he, he is the ruler of all things, right? He was everything that was promised to her. What she waited on was fulfilled. But we don't talk a lot about seasons and situations in our life where God is waiting on you. Where God is, is waiting on you. Because some, something, some things need to happen in a certain way. Do you know what a, a, a Rube Goldberg machine is? I don't know what that is. It's just a, a chain reaction machine. It's one of those things, you may see videos of it or whatnot, where somebody takes a domino and they push the domino down, the domino hits another domino, and it goes on, and then those dominoes hit something else, and it makes a ball go across the floor, and then it goes on and on and on, until finally at the end, something goes into or through something that it's supposed to. But it takes all these things hitting right in order for it to accomplish that thing at the end. Right? Ultimately, what we understand is everything affects the thing that comes after. And that's what we see in the stories that we've read over the past couple weeks, right? John had to come before Jesus. It was prophesied. Prophesied that there would be a forebear, one that would come before to prepare the way for Jesus. John had to come before Jesus. That it had to happen in that way. John came, and thus it set up and established the foundation for, for Christ to come. Last week we talked about how Joseph was just as much chosen as Mary was, right? So Mary and Joseph had to be espoused before Mary was to conceive. One led directly into the other. One directly affected the next thing. The thing before affected the thing after, the next thing. And we can look at Mary... Joseph, John the Baptist, be like, yeah, that makes sense that their choices, their actions, what they did affected what come after. Those are big name people, right? They, they're in the Bible. You know, we, we, we know those names. We grew up hearing those names. We know their, what they did that was so important. They were significant. They were powerful. I get that. But in the same breath, we can say, but my choices don't have any significance on whoever comes after or whatever happens next. 
I get God used Mary and set things up to use that. I get that John had or God had John the Baptist come and to make way for for his son. I get those things played into the next thing. But my life doesn't have any significance or, or importance where it will affect what happens next for the glory of God, for His kingdom, for what God has in store. And that is not true. We see the names Mary, John the Baptist, and Elizabeth, and Joseph. We think big people, right? They weren't at that point in history. They were Mary, the woman who's having a kid out of wedlock. They're Joseph, that I guess he can't he doesn't think he can find anybody else, so he's going to stick with this woman who's who's committed adultery on him. It's John the Baptist who lives out in the woods eating wild locusts and wild honey. It's that runs around in a loincloth. Normal, maybe even strange people, but not important people at that point in history. Not important to what the world saw. The thought of them. But God was waiting for things in their life. For them to do things. For John and or for Joseph and Mary to be, be a spouse. For for Zachariah to, to go to the temple once again so that he could he could say, Hey, Elizabeth's gonna have a, a baby. He was waiting for things, these things. And there's situations and, and issues in our life where he is waiting on us to me. Waiting on us to heed his calling waiting on us to be obedient and to do the thing that he has, he has asked us to do. Our choices and actions do have an impact on the next thing. Do have importance and significance to what happens in other people's lives. You may not think it, it does, but it does. Think of it I mean, just in, in common simple things. We, we pray that God would, would help our community. Well, maybe God's waiting on you to go and be that one that talks to somebody, that unlocks something else, right? Maybe you're praying that God would, would save somebody. Well, God says, well, I'm waiting on you to, to go talk to them. I'm waiting on you to go tell them about Jesus. And we say, well, I, I'm waiting for, for my marriage to be healed. Well, God says, well, I'm waiting for you to, to do the work. To do the difficult things, to make the difficult choices, to, to give forgiveness or to ask for forgiveness or whatever it may be. I'm waiting on you. And we're waiting on God to move and He's saying, buddy, it's I've, I'm, I've got things ready over here. I'm about to pull the curtain wide open and show you, but I'm waiting on you to show up. I'm waiting on you to do what I told you to do, what you know you should do, what Scripture, you know what I want. Scripture's told you what I want. And I'm waiting on you to do it. And I'm about to pull back and show you what I've got and what I've been working on and what you've not seen. But I'm waiting on, on you to do this. This one little thing. Because you have to do this before all this can happen. You've got to make that step before this will be opened up. You've got to make that decision, make that choice. You've got to make that effort. You've got to do what I've told you that I want you to do before this can happen. You might say, well, my decisions and, and, and things shouldn't have that much significant importance. God sometimes just wants to see your effort. He wants to see you do what He has asked you to do. And I, we look at life. And we look at God. And we think, well, why is he be waiting on me? Couldn't he do it without me? Yes, he could do it without you. He could leave you behind and say, if you're not wanting to participate, just go on over there. There's times that he's going to do that. 
But he wants you involved in the work that he is doing in your family, in your church, in your community, in your school, in your workplace, in your own life. He don't just want to just breeze through it. He wants you involved in it so that you can understand what it's like to be a part of the power and the working of God. God wants something done and you ain't going to do it. He'll find somebody else to do it. But he wants to do it with you. He's waiting on you to say yes, to commit, to surrender, to take that first step, to make that decision, to do what He's asked you to do and commanded you to do. What is God waiting on you to do? We know different areas in our life where we've prayed for something, we've asked for something. Maybe we've not. We're totally removed from the situation. But we know that God has spoken to us to do something, to be somewhere, to show up, to interact with somebody, to say something that He wants us to say. And God's waiting on us to do it. Waiting on us to move. Waiting on us to say. And we just sit there. For whatever reason. Unmoving. Maybe out of fear. Maybe out of doubt. Maybe out of concern. For whatever reason. And God's like, just do it. Just, just do it. You move. You move. I've got a plan. And I've got a direction. That thing you've been praying for. That thing you've been seeking. Maybe something that somebody else has been praying for and you didn't even know it. I've got it lined up. I've got it ready. You move. You move. I don't know if it's true. I've always heard that you have to be at exactly the right place for a red light to change. It's probably just one of those myths, right? But you ever just sat there and red light just be waiting forever? And you just inch up a little inch up a little Like maybe if I go a little bit closer, it'll notice. Maybe I go back a little bit, it'll notice. That's what I've always heard. I don't know if it's true. It probably ain't. But we'll go with that for this, okay? The red light's just sitting there. It's like, you know everything that's waiting beyond me. But you've got to be in the right place. And I'm waiting on you to be in the right place. In the right state of mind. And with the right spirit. I need, you, I need you ready for this. Because what's beyond here is everything you hope for, everything you dream for, everything you've been looking for. You left with the intention to go here, but you've got to be in the right place. I'm waiting on you. And God's waiting on you. God's waiting on you. It's really easy and we get this mentality as Christians that we just expect God to do everything. And that we can just come in on Sunday morning and sit on our pew and have a good time and reap the rewards and come to the dinners and, and, and get the things that we want and that God just, all the all everything else, everything's on God. But God's waiting on you to do what He's called you to do. God's waiting on you to heed what He has asked of you. God's waiting on you to be obedient God's waiting on you to observe what He has to say. God's waiting on you to give Him what He has asked for, what He wants from you this year. God's waiting on you. So let's not keep Him waiting. Right? That means there's other people out in the world that are waiting on you to move up. There's lost that are waiting on you to, to invite them to church. We have so many new people in our community. People that I, I, I've not met yet. Maybe some of you know. No, they're waiting on you to come to them. They're near the community. They're not going to be the one that comes to your door. They're waiting on you to. They're waiting on you to talk to. They're waiting on you to reach out to. They're waiting on you. Your family, that relationship's broken, they're not be waiting on you to make that move, 
to find healing, right? Waiting on you. What is it that God is waiting on you to do this year, this season? Maybe he's been waiting since January 1st, 2022. Here we are, about 365 days later. He's still waiting on you to do it. Maybe he's been waiting on you to do it since you're a teenager. Maybe he's been waiting on you to do it since you got married. Maybe he's been waiting on you to do it for years and years and years. What is he waiting on you to do? Stop making him wait. Just do it. Don't wait for God to move. If you know what you're supposed to do, you move. You move. And you do what God has called you to do. Amen. I'm thankful that God has never let me down. When I've had to wait on Him, He has come through. Or He's given me the strength and the comfort to get through till He does. Right? How many times have, has God waited on us and, and we've just not showed up? And He said, well, I'll, I'll go to this one that's ready. And this one that wants to. And this one that has the desire to. How many times? Let's not keep them waiting any longer. Let's not keep those that are lost waiting any longer. Let's not keep those relationships that are broken waiting any longer. You know. Do what God has called you and told you to do. Man, I'm so thankful. All right. As as I go go sing, um, if anybody has a need, please do please do come. The altar is open. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you can come and talk to Him. Maybe you're waiting through a difficult season. Maybe you've been keeping God waiting. And you're like, Lord, you know, I, I know I've been been waiting a long time and I need to do this. Come and ask. Maybe it's the strength that you need, the tenacity that you need, the just the peace that you need to do it. Come ask for Him. Guess what? He provides those things. He provides those things so that you can do it. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, He's waiting on you. He's waiting on you. With all the love and compassion that could ever be mustered, more than a parent can give, more than your spouse can give, He is there full of mercy and joy and peace and comfort. And He offers it freely. And you can come and be saved and know Him and have a relationship with Him. Amen. The altar is open for whatever needs you may have during this holiday season when it's difficult. Uh, you want to welcome.